voila, purpose for life. I was reading in Isaiah the other day, and I saw this word purpose several times. And uh, <clears throat> how many know that God has a purpose? God has a purpose. And that is the salvation, the redemption of the entire universe. All hundreds of billions of galaxies and everything. And uh, it's so amazing that that Hubble Space Telescope is taking pictures. They say, oh, we, we've, we almost uh, can see the uh, end of time. You know, the beginning of the universe way back there with all these billions of galaxies. And, and it's so amazing that in, in the expanse of the universe that... Uh, we know that there's life only here on this little speck of dust called planet Earth. We don't know if there's life anywhere else. And people are still trying to figure that out, still trying to find places where there's other life. And uh, praise God, uh, I don't know if they'll ever find it. But we do know that Jesus is alive and that the purpose of life is not for us to die but for us to live. In the book of Psalms it says, I will live and not die and stand to declare the works of God and the goodness of God among the living. Praise God. Jesus was asked, you know, hey, uh, the Pharisees uh, come and they try and trick him. <laughs> we got him on this one. Hey, you know, Moses told us uh, that uh, uh, if a man dies and he leaves a wife, uh, his brother's supposed to uh, carry on the lineage. Right? Sure, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, these seven brothers died one at a time, and they all had the wife. Whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection from the dead? I believe it was the, the, not the, the Pharisees, it was the scribes or the Sadducees, and they didn't really believe in eternal life. And Jesus tells them, you guys don't know what you're talking about. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. In heaven, there will be no marriage. Everybody's going to be all the same. We'll be like the angels in heaven. And then he tells them, didn't you ever read? God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, these men, these people, those who have uh, gone, whose bodies have uh, expired, they're still alive. They're not in their physical bodies, but Jesus is in his physical body and in his glorified body now. And the Bible says that he lives forevermore to make intercession for us. What if Jesus returns today? When you're telling somebody about Jesus or talking about the things of God. And by the way, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 says that when you do that, God takes note. And there's a record book in heaven that says, hey, they're talking about me. And God writes it down and puts it in the book. That's why there's books in heaven on the judgment day. The books will be opened. Praise God. So when you're talking about Jesus to somebody, and you should be, praise God. Yeah, what if Jesus returns today? Are you ready? What if you died today? Are you ready? We should be evangelizing. Can you say amen? telling people about Jesus. It should be the natural overflow of our lives is to tell people about Jesus. I was telling my wife on Friday I had to go to the office at work and we have a new uh, office administrator and she says, oh, I want you to meet my daughter. I said, oh, hi, how are you? I said, I said uh, I, she had a, one of them tablet notebooks, I guess, whatever you call it, a little computer thingy, something or other. I'm not... <laughs> That computer literate and savvy on all that. 
And I asked her, are you a college student or a high school student? She said, I'm a high school student. And, uh, <clears throat> and after the conversation was done, I was driving back uh, out to the assignment I had, and I thought, you know what? I should have told her. I should have said, you know, God loves you. You know, God has a plan for your life. And I thought, why didn't I say that? Instead, I told her some stupid thing about the Princess Bride movie and how funny it is. Because <laughs> she had a, 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 a book, and I said, hey, you know, the grandpa comes and says, hey, this is what video games look like when I was a kid. It's a book. <laughs> we didn't have computers when I was a kid. Nobody had a computer. And a telephone that was stuck to the wall, and you had to turn the dial. Praise God. <laughs> All right, praise God. But anyway, Pastor uh, Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life, which I have not read, but I do have a copy of a book at home called The Will of God as a Way of Life, which I need to read. The Will of God as a Way of Life. That's a good title. Can you say Amen. The word purpose, according to my dictionary, implies a fixed determination and a clear exercise of the will. If you ever watched uh, um, the uh, U.S. Congress on TV, Speaker of the House is there, and somebody, one of the representatives comes up, they'll say, for what purpose does so-and-so from such-and-such come up? And they'll tell them, oh, we want to introduce this bill. We have a purpose. We want to get this thing through here, and get this law to go on. But it's not the same as intention. Everybody ever hear that word? Uh, this person is charged with assault with deadly intention. They intended to kill this person, and they failed. So intention largely is restricted to legal usage, and I uh, apologize to uh, Dr. Randy Carlson. He has a whole program called Intentional Living. It maybe might be a little bit better described as purposeful living because, <laughs> as you may have heard, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions don't do much. Purpose does something. Hallelujah. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, some hippie music group back in the 60s uh, took the words and uh, said, everything there is a season, turn, 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 and a purpose for everything under heaven. It's talking about activities, and uh, it's talking about actions. Well, this word purpose in the Hebrew is... Uh, I think, pronounced kefetz. And it literally means pleasure. How many know God has a pleasure? Praise God. It also means uh, a desire. God desires that all men should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It also means a matter or something in the mind, something kept in mind. So I was reading about... Um, uh, idolatry. And the, uh, and, uh, anybody know who Rick Renner is? He's a Bible scholar. He's very, very knowledgeable in Greek. That's what he studied. Classical Greek, biblical Greek. And so I have this big, thick book of his called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. 
every day of the year, there's a, a whole couple of pages and questions and answers uh, and things to think about. And uh, in that one passage about idolatry, he says, what makes idolatry idolatry is what you are always thinking about. What's on your mind? A lot of people, uh, uh, all they talk about is sports. A lot of people, and, and I have to be careful of myself, I like to talk about money because I'm trying to get a handle on my finances and get them in order so that I can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But whatever is foremost on your mind, that's what your desire is for. That's your purpose in life. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So when we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, here is purpose. Paul writes and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren and sistren, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God is that Jesus has come to earth and, 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 and he embraced the cross for you and I. He embraced the cross for all mankind, for every single human being on the planet Earth. He said, you know what? It's worth it. I'm going there. Give me the cross. Jesus willingly went there. The mercies of God, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or rational service. The most reasonable thing, the most logical thing to do is to give your life to Jesus. Can you say amen? If you, I mean, there's a big old cemetery over there on Fort Lowell and Oracle Road down in Tucson. Big cemetery. That can't possibly be the end. That can't possibly be the goal. The, the grave, what's the use of living if that's all there is to it? The reasonable service. If you and I understand the gospel that there is a God who loves us, that there's a God who desires good things for us, that there's a God who's prepared an inheritance for us, that there's a God who wants to bless us and make us a blessing here on this earth, in light of those things that we were born into sin, but we can be born again unto God, it's only reasonable to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? That's the most logical thing to do. If we really believe there's a hell, it's the most logical thing to do to escape and embrace the things of God. Can you say amen? He urges there or beseech. The word beseech could be translated urge or encourage you to put your faith and trust in God. Present yourselves as living sacrifices. One of the things about a purpose-driven life is anybody here of a life coach? There's really a popular thing nowadays, you know, we need a life coach. One of the things that a life coach will do for their clients is you need to get a mission statement. Write out your life mission statement. What's your purpose in life? Our purpose, or I don't think we have them over here, I think it's in the back. Uh, our motto, so to speak, is uh, we want to win souls, build them up, and send them out. Or evangelize, equip, and empower. 
That's our life purpose or our motto at this church and in the fellowship that we belong to. Praise Chapel. Praise God. It's a rational response to the good news that God loves you, that you don't have to earn it. It's free. Praise God. And Jesus gave his life for you. I, not too long ago, um, I asked somebody, hey, you know, God loves you. I said, oh, yeah, how do you know that? Well, just because just that's the way God is. Said, no, God proves it. Do you know that? God, there's proof that God loves us. Can you say amen? How many know what it is? It's that Jesus died for your sins. But most people don't want to be told, hey, you're a sinner. Boy, I'm not a sinner. I never murdered anybody. <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> I remember a couple of guys I was working with. These guys were really vile. I said, oh, we're a different breed of men, you know. <laughs> really? You're humans. You're sinners just like me. You might be a little worse than me, but all sin is pretty bad. Can you say amen? You go, we're a different breed of men. We don't need no Jesus. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> One fella says, well, I believe in God. I say, really? The demons believe in God and they tremble. Say, well, you don't see me trembling, do you? I say, oh, good grief. <laughs> 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 no, I don't, but you should be. <laughs> if you understand the wrath of God is coming upon all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Anybody ever have the question brought to you? Well, well, God's so good. How come there's evil in the world? I remember when I, I studied to be a Catholic priest for a year, when I got out of the seminary, I had those questions. If there is a God and he's supposed to be good, how come there's so much evil in the world? Well, guess what? God's not the one that does the evil. It's people who do the evil. It's not God's fault. It's people who do bad things. Praise God. Anyway, <laughs> so our reasonable service is to give our lives to Jesus. But do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The renewing of your mind is done by reading the Word of God. As most of you know, I'm sure. Praise God. But the perfect, good, and acceptable will of God is a way of life. Hallelujah. Funny thing is, the next scripture that I picked in my Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, walk as children of light, has a reference over to Romans chapter 12. It says, oh, guess what? They must be related. Walk as children of the light. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How many know that God doesn't give us all the information all at once? Praise God. Thank God He doesn't because most of us would just, our minds would explode. We wouldn't, we'd either say, this is too hard or this is impossible, or God, <laughs> you're going to have to do something because I can't. I personally, I understand my weakness. I understand that, God, I need you. If it wasn't you working, God, then uh, there's no way this would happen. 
I need God. Can you say amen? And so do you. We need God because we're not, we're not God. We're not as powerful as God. I wish I was. I love to pray for people, you know. I'd like to convict people if I was God. You know, the Holy Ghost, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict people. Convince them that they're sinners. <laughs> one pastor, he said years ago before he got saved, um, oh no, no, he was saved already. He was a pastor. Uh, he used to be a biker. He said uh, one of uh, the guys in his congregation was a biker, got saved. He says, hey, pastor, I got one of my guys to get saved. I just stuff his head in the toilet to make him, though. <laughs> 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 all right, all right, I'll get saved. Don't kill me. <laughs> we, some of us want to help God, and God sometimes doesn't want us to help him. That's why we need the sensitivity, sensitivity of the Holy Ghost to listen to his leading, and when God says, Shh, don't say nothing, shut up. Let me do this or say this. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. God wants to touch people's lives, but we have to be in tune with God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, and this is where I saw this purpose and I got the idea it says the Lord of hosts has sworn saying surely as I have thought remember God's thoughts are not our thoughts God's thoughts and God's ways are higher than ours hallelujah surely as I have thought so it shall come to pass and as I have purposed so it shall stand the end of the world is on its way that's pretty obvious. I looked up the other day, uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, there's Earthquake Watch on the internet. There's over 200 some odd earthquakes just in one day. Jesus said that's going to be one of the signs of the times. There's wars, rumors of wars, nations will rise against nations, people against people. Ethnic groups against ethnic groups. We see this, excuse me, happening today. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So it's going to happen. This time that we, as we know it, will come to an end. Hallelujah. Because God says it will. And verse 27, it goes on, he says, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? <clears throat> Who's going to tell God, you know, <clears throat> wait a minute, wait a minute, you're, you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> God has got his mind made up. God uh, is not a man that he should lie. Who's going to turn God's hand back? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Judgment is coming. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the scribes, hypocrites, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Well, maybe they did understand, some of them. We know Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he believed in Jesus. Who told you to flee from the wrath to come? The wrath of God is coming. Praise God. 
But just remember, when evil happens, like Joseph told his brothers when they came to Egypt, he says, you guys meant it for evil, but God, you intended evil, but God meant it for good. Sometimes things happen in our lives that we don't understand. God means it for good. But we have to wait and be patient to see what's happening. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was challenged the other day, listening to the radio on, so I was driving my work truck to a, a project, and uh, the preacher was saying, he says, how many of you have the boldness to say, I am a Christ follower. I am a Christian. He says, got the whole congregation you could hear on the radio. I am a Christian. Makes a difference. Just, uh, you know, telling people about Jesus. I want to look here at Acts chapter 11, verse 23. After the persecution that Paul the Apostle, who was Saul at that time, instituted with the, the, the martyrdom of Stephen, the believers were scattered everywhere. And here in Acts chapter 11, they're in the city of Antioch, which is in modern-day Syria, Lebanon. I think it's modern-day Syria. There's two Antiochs in the, Old, in the New Testament. One is in Turkey, and one is in Syria. They were here in this city. And uh, it says that we came, or he came. This is Barnabas was sent there, seeing the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Just a little background here is, first of all, Barnabas was from Cyprus. And it says in a couple of verses before this, they were in Antioch of Syria after Stephen's death. And there were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Anybody remember Simon who was forced to carry Jesus' cross was from Cyrene? And they believed in Jesus and they were Jews. And the Jewish believers that had been scattered from Jerusalem, they were only preaching and witnessing to other Jews. But Barnabas' people were from Cyprus and Cyrene, which is in Libya, North Africa. They were Hellenistic. They were Greeks, so to speak, more or less. And they were concerned with the fellow Hellenists and fellow Greeks. And we know that before that, Peter had seen the, uh, the vision of the uh, uh, unclean and clean animals and God told him to eat and don't tell me, God says, don't tell me that what I make clean is unclean. And as a result, the door of salvation and the understanding of salvation being universal to Jews and Gentiles was opened up. And here in Antioch of Syria, they began to preach to the Jews and the Gentiles and they heard about it in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas whose name literally means son of encouragement or consolation. And they send him up there and he says, wow, oh, they're, they're reaching out to the, the uh, people from Cyprus, my countrymen. This is awesome. He was glad. Hallelujah. He was glad. 
In verse 21 it says, The hand of the Lord, as a result of them witnessing and preaching to Jews and Gentiles, the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. I know it doesn't look like there's a great number in here yet, but they will be here. Can you say amen? Praise God. I'm looking forward to a great number believing and turning to the Lord. Hallelujah. Son of consolation. And he encourages them, according to Matthew Henry's commentary, to, uh, <clears throat> to continue with the Lord. Matthew Henry's commentary says what this literally means is he's encouraging them to remain true to Jesus with purpose of heart, with an intelligent, firm, and deliberate resolution. Have your minds made up. I'm serving Jesus to the end. Hallelujah. We're not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation unto everyone who believes. Hallelujah. A Christian is a believer and follower of Christ, the anointed one. And it expresses our dependence on his office or his finished work. What did Jesus say? tell his disciples uh, in Matthew chapter 28? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and so on. Having already been bound in heaven, it's bound on earth. And then this morning I woke up and I thought, oh, Another scripture I just remembered. John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. John writes, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. We're going through the book of Isaiah in the Wednesday night Bible study, and I got a little bit ahead, and... Uh, there's a whole section in there where he prophesies against Satan, against Lucifer. He says, you know, the nations are going to come and they're going to look on him and they're going to say, is this the one that made the nations tremble? Him? A wimp? Ah! This purpose that the Son of God was manifested. How many know that because there's evil in the world, that's why Jesus came to earth. That God Himself would experience what we experience. It says in Hebrews that we have a high priest who's touched with the same infirmities that we are. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows what we're going through. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? That's good news. But He also came to destroy the works of the devil. And that word destroy is the uh, Greek word luo, which means to loosen, to break up, to dissolve, or to melt. Anybody ever play with wax candles? You get, wow, watch this. You don't have to get that close or that far, you know, to wax the flame and the wax just melts away. It's like, wow. Wouldn't you love to see that happen to the strongholds of the enemy? Just melt away. Glory to God, to dissolve. To break up, 
to break down, to loosen. Jesus came to set the captives free, to loosen the bonds of iniquity, hallelujah, upon the whole world. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms. People are not our enemy, hallelujah. Though it's kind of hard to see the difference sometimes, but people are not our enemy. It's spiritual that we're in a battle with. But thank God that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. <clears throat> he has all authority. His work is finished. We can depend on him. And because all authority has been given to him, he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Encourage people to be followers. Like Barnabas said, Find out what is acceptable. Encourage them that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord to remain true to Jesus with an intelligent, firm, and deliberate resolution to make our minds made up. Praise God. Hallelujah. After this, immediately after this, the next few verses... Barnabas goes and finds Saul of Tarsus and brings him back to Antioch. Saul of Tarsus was trained as a Pharisee. The instant of time when Jesus met Saul or when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And immediately Paul knew all of those scriptures, I believe this is what happened, that the revelation of the scriptures of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus of Nazareth came to his mind. And he had been there, uh, went to Saul, uh, Barnabas went and got Saul uh, from Tarsus, brought him to Antioch, and he stayed there for a year, preaching and teaching. And it was in Antioch where believers in Jesus were first called Christians. They're followers of Christ. They're believers of Christ. They live like him. One of the saddest testimonies I ever heard is Mohandas Gandhi said that, uh, you know, I, I really like your Christ, but it's your Christians that irk me. And it's because Christians weren't I guess he had some bad experiences with them and they weren't as perfect as he thought they should be. And so he decided not to follow Christ. And he moved an entire nation. Can you imagine if he had put his trust in Jesus, he could have won the entire nation of India? What a shame that it didn't happen that way. Praise God. <clears throat> in the meantime... We can do whatever we can to tell other people about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Talk about God and things of God. What God's doing. Share with your family and friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus. Listen or be prepared for opportunities at the store or wherever you are to tell somebody about Jesus. That's our purpose. To win souls. <clears throat> to build them up. And to equip them and encourage them to go out and tell others about Jesus. 
Praise God. Thank God that it doesn't depend on us, though, that it's uh, the Spirit of God who's at work within us, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Hallelujah.